0: Section 11 of The Sikh Religion, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pardeep Oluwalia, Ottawa. The Sikh Religion, Volume 4 by Max Arthur Macauliffe. The Life of Guru Hargobind, Chapter 11. As Muhammad Khan led the van, he was challenged by Bai Jatu, whose horse he at once killed with an arrow. Then, simultaneously, Jatu discharged his musket at Muhammad Khan, and Muhammad Khan another arrow at Jatu. Bullet and arrow both took effect, and the two heroes fell mortally wounded. When Muhammad Khan fell, his division fled. To take his place, Abdullah Khan ordered Biram Khan to advance with his men and not retreat so that it might never be said that they had run away as cowards from the Sikhs. Bhairam Khan, with his thousand men crying, ''Strike! Strike!'' advanced, and was received by Bhai Matura, who had been ordered by the Guru to resist his attack. Matura, seeing the superior force directed against him, said to his soldiers, ''My brethren, everyone must die. Generations have died and are dying. Others die in vain. But if you die, your death shall be profitable.'' since you give up your lives as an offering to the Guru I shall join the court of heaven. But if, on the other hand, you vanquish your enemies, then empire shall be yours, and you shall enjoy uninterrupted happiness and repose. In either alternative, great shall be your gain. The Sikhs fought with desperation and drove the enemy before them. Mathura disabled Bhairam Khan's horse with a bullet. Bhairam Khan's troop was then surrounded by the Sikhs and fought heroically. Seeing this, Matura, in a rage, dismounted and rushed on Bairam Khan. Both heroes, brought by their impetuosity to close quarters, could not use their missiles, and engaged each other in a wrestling contest. Matura got the better of the struggle, and throwing his adversary, snatched his sword from his scabbard and cut off his head. Bairam Khan's army, witnessing this, became enraged, surrounded by Matura, and cut him to pieces. The chief, on seeing Bairam Khan slain, ordered Balwand Khan to advance. Ali Baksh proceeded to support him. The guru sent Kalyana to oppose them. Balwand Khan fought with great bravery and with his lance dispatched several six. Kalyana, seeing this, took steady aim with his matchlock and shot him through the heart. Seeing him lying on the field, Ali Baksh called on his troops to avenge him. They surrounded Kalyana but he kept them at bay with flights of arrows. When his quiver was empty, he resorted to his sword. He was, however, no match for the numbers opposed to him, and gloriously fell with many wounds. His courage never failed him to the last, and he died repeating, why guru? Ali Baksh again directed his troops against the guru. Seeing this, Bhai Nanu opposed the onslaught. The guru, patting him on the back, placed 200 more men at his disposal. Thus, by Nanu had three hundred in all at his command. They fought with great determination and inflicted great loss on the enemy. Ali Baksh took up his matchlock and fired at Nanu, but missed. Nanu then discharged an arrow at Ali Baksh, which went through his body. Seeing him fall, the Mohammedan army began to flee. It was, however, rallied by Sardar Imang Baksh, who now came up with his division. Meanwhile, Nanu continued to slay the Mohammedans. Imam Baksh hastened to stop his career. Nanu, on seeing him, fixed his thoughts on the Guru, and drawing his two-edged sword, struck off his left hand. Imam Baksh, without faltering, used his remaining arm on Nanu and killed him, upon which Nanu's troops retreated. The Guru extolled Nanu's bravery, and asked if there was any Sikh who could now sustain the fight. Bhai-Piraga came forward and said, My lord, by thy favour, I will destroy the army of the enemy. Bhai Jigana, Krishnan, and other faithful officers with their troops went to Piraga's support. When Bhai Jagana and other distinguished Sikhs were slain, Bidhi Chand came forward and asked the Guru's permission to join the combat and support Bhai Piraga. This being granted, Bidhi Chand and the Sikhs fought with their usual valour, the result of which was that the Mohammedan army became demoralised, turned, and fled. Abdullah Khan, the Mohammedan chief, came on the scene with a stick in his hand to strike and restrain the fugitives. He then appealed to Karamchand and Ratanchand to enter the combat, show their bravery, and not allow it to be said that 10,000 imperial troops were killed in vain. The chief also ordered his elder son Nabi Baksh to advance with the troops under his command. When the guru heard of this, he was very pleased, and thought the time had arrived for himself to enter the battle it is said that when he twanged his bow his enemies trembled and that when the neighing of his horse was heard as he entered the battlefield there was widespread consternation in the Mohammedan ranks when the guru showed himself fully accoutred to his troops he called on them to slay abdullah khan and thus put an end to the combat karm chand chandu's son said that he would now avenge his father's death by killing bidhi chand and capturing the guru bidhi chand replied take care I will send thee to thy father." Karamchand discharged showers of arrows. One of them struck Bidhi Chand and lodged in his body. Bidhi Chand drew it out and hurled it back on Karamchand. It missed him but struck his horse, causing the animal to reel and fall. Bidhi Chand then bound Karamchand, dragged him before the Guru, and addressed him, "Thou didst owe one debt to the Guru, in that thy father killed his, and now thou owest another for having made war on him." Midi Chand offered to put him to death if the Guru allowed him. The Guru, seeing him in that miserable plight, felt compassion on him, and ordered his release, saying it was not proper to kill a defenceless prisoner. When Karam Chand, thus released, found his way to the chief, he gave him the following version of the incident. I went to the Guru to reconnoitre his army. He arrested me and tortured me, but I escaped by stratagem and force of arms, and have brought thee this information. The Guru hath a very small army. Make a rush, and we shall capture him with all his property. The chief accordingly ordered his troops to charge, upon which there arose a sanguinary engagement on both sides. Nabi Baksh led one wing of the Mohammedan army, and his father the other. Karim Baksh, the chief's second son, on seeing his father personally engaged, hastened to his assistance. Their army, however, was destroyed like dry grass by a forest fire principally owing to the exertions and bravery of Bai Shaktu. Nabi Baksh discharged an arrow at Parasram, one of the Sikh leaders, and severely wounded him. The Sikhs with Shaktu at their head gathered around and rescued him. After recovering consciousness, he rushed with his sword on Nabi Baksh and cut off his head with one blow. The Mohammedans on this attacked Parasram and Shaktu and killed them both. The chief wept aloud at the loss of his son and expressed the pious wish that he himself had been slain instead. Karimbaksh, the chief's second son, went to console his father, saying he would avenge his brother and either kill the guru or be killed himself, a resolution which the chief applauded. As the youth advanced, he descried the guru. He asked those who had no fear in their hearts or those who had no loved ones to accompany him to seize and kill the guru. They who chose might retire from the conflict. The chief, hearing his words, and fearing he was too sanguine of success, warned him not to advance, but hold his ground where he was, for the guru was not merely the bravest of the Sikhs, but a veritable messenger of death. The rash youth heeded not his father's counsel. The guru, on seeing Karambhaksh at a distance, called out to Bhai Bidhi-chand, Lo, the chief's younger son has come to avenge his brother. The slanderers have incensed his mind, now exert thy strength and engage him. He hath come to assault thee, but do thou assault him. Bidhi Chand shouting defiance advanced. The chief sent Ratan Chand and Kung Chand to his son's assistance. Then arose a desperate effort to capture the Guru. They cried out that the Guru had no army, that he should become their easy prey, and that they should receive suitable rewards from the Emperor. Such was the fury of the imperial troops that some of the Sikhs were on the point of giving way when they were kept in position by Bidhi Chand. Karim Baksh, couching his lance, directed it at Bidhi Chand, but it only lighted on his saddlebow. Bidhi Chand and Karim Baksh now rushed at each other with drawn swords. Karim Baksh dealt a blow at Bidhi Chand, from which he was again providentially saved. It then for a time became a play of fence, when sword clashed against sword, until with one swashing blow, Karim-Chand shattered Bidhi-Chand's weapon in twain. Bidhi-Chand turned his horse and ran for another sword. On his return with a better-tempered blade, he dealt Karim-Barksh a blow which terminated the combat. The sons of Chandu and Gera, on seeing this, fled from the field, but were afraid to show their faces to the chief, and so remained at a distance. Several followed their example, and were pursued by Bidhi-Chand and other six at the head of their troops. The runaways told the chief of his second son's death, and the intelligence made him for a time unconscious. On being partially restored, he began to mourn. Alas, fool that I was, not to consider, that I was powerless against him, about whom the emperor was silent even after the loss of his army. Both my sons are dead, yet I behold the light of day, a curse on me and my life. I who have been untrue to my emperor and also to my relations, who warn me not to contend with the Guru. He hath killed five of my bravest officers and my two darling boys. My progeny is at an end, and there will be none to preserve my name in the world. The chief endeavour to rally dratan and gung About two hours of day still remain. Advance and fight, and perhaps the Guru may come into our possession. Your boasts have all been in vain. Like jackals, you are only fit to bark. There is even yet time to restore the fortune of war. Let me behold your manliness. Either conquer or die. The chief then gave the order for a general advance. The guru, seeing the onslaught of the Mohammedans especially directed against himself, addressed his troops. My brethren, the Turks are advancing. I will now myself fight and destroy those enemies who have without cause brought an army of thousands against God's servants. Both armies then hotly engaged. The Turks came, as it were, to offer themselves a sacrifice to the Guru. Abdullah Khan, maddened by the death of his sons, discharged flights of arrows, and he did not whether he aimed at friend or foe. This was the most desperate portion of the conflict. None retreated, none sued for quarter. Under the favouring glance of the Guru, the Sikhs, who had formerly been weak as hares, now became strong as lions. No matter what their birth or previous calling, they all proved themselves gallant heroes in the field. Abdullah Khan resolved to conquer or die. He could not show himself again to the emperor if his 10,000 troops were vanquished in vain. There would be no place in which to hide himself, and the earth would not open to receive him. It therefore would be better for him to receive death at the hands of the guru. The guru, seeing Karamchand and Ratanchand in front, addressed them. What think you are? Now avenge your fathers. Retreat not like cowards. Be brave and stand before me. Otherwise go where your fathers have gone. The guru let fly an arrow which disabled ratan horse. Then karam advanced, drew his bowstring to his ear, and shot the guru's horse, the famous charger sent from Kabul which the guru had obtained with such difficulty. The guru drew forth the arrow and pierced karam horse with it ratam Chand and karam now had to fight on the ground. Joined by their chief, they discharged flights of arrows at the Guru, who saved himself by his dexterity. The arrows fell like showers of flowers around him, and it seemed as if the three men had been worshipping him and begging him the gift of salvation. The Guru was left alone to contend against all three, as bidhi Chand and his other heroes were engaged fighting in a distant part of the field. His enemies were very pleased to see the guru alone, and unhorsed, at the approach of evening too. He, however, felt that victory was ever on the side of religion. God sucreth his servants, he thought, and the proud and the wicked shall be vanquished. The guru, on being closely assailed by Karam Chand, struck him with a shield and made him stagger and fall. Ratam Chand, seeing this, ran to his aid. The guru drew forth his pistol and shot him. Then fearing that his enemy might still escape, he discharged an arrow, which completed his discomfiture. Abdullah Khan now lost all command over himself, and struck out with his sword right and left, before and behind, above and below. The guru at first received all his blows on his strong shield, then gathering his strength, he drew his falchion on the chief, and severed his head from his body. By this time Karamchand had recovered consciousness, and rushed at the guru, saying, Whither goest thou after killing all my friends? Deem not that by killing ratan Chand the victory is thine. There ensued for a time a sword play between the Guru and karam until the sword of the latter was broken. The Guru, as a holy man desiring to take no mean advantage of his adversary, put his own sword into his scabbard and engaged with him in a wrestling combat. They were locked in one another's arms as if, after all the fighting, they had become fast friends. At last, the guru, seizing karam Chand by both arms, swung him around as Krishnan did his uncle Khan's, and killed him by dashing his head on the ground. It had now become dark. The chief and all his sardars were slain. His army had fled, the battle was ended, and victory remained with the guru. bindi Chand lit a torch and passed through the files of dead bodies in his search for his master, who was only found with delay and difficulty. The Guru went to his tent, and Bidhi Chand sought out the wounded and attended to them. The next day was occupied with the disposal of the slain. The chief, his two sons, and his five generals were all put in one grave. The bodies of the fallen Sikhs were brought to the Guru, and their names announced. The Guru blessed them one by one, and caused them to be thrown into the river Bias. The bodies of the fallen Mohammedans shared the same fate. A platform was erected near the place where they were buried. In after days, the Guru used occasionally to go and sit on it and point out to Bidhi Chand and his other officers the advantage of a just cause, by means of which they had destroyed their proud enemies and saved their own brave and loyal co-religionists. The Guru then delivered a funeral oration, in the course of which he said, Death is very potent and capable of altering human affairs in a moment. It maketh those who are laughing weep, and those who are weeping laugh. He then recited the following hymn of Guru Arjun. This perishable world was made like a house of sand. It is quickly destroyed like paper moistened with water. O man, behold and consider the true one in thy heart. Sids, stripers, householders and yogis have departed, abandoning their houses and homes. The world is like a nightly dream. What we see shall all perish, why attach thyself to it o fool where are thy brothers and friends open thine eyes and look one goeth another shall go each in his turn they who serve the perfect true guru shall have a fixed place at god's door the man nanak is god's slave preserve his honour o god and also the following o man why art thou puffed up with pride within thee are bad odour impurity and uncleanliness what is visible is ashes. O mortal, remember him who made all things, and who supporteth life and soul. The ignorant fool who forsaketh him, and attacheth himself to other gods, shall be born again after death. I am blind, dumb, crippled, devoid of understanding. O God the preserver, preserve me. God is omnipotent to act, and cause others to act. Nanak, what a wretched creature is man. His evil fate urged Abdullah Khan so that without cause or provocation, he marched against us with ten thousand men. Besides his two sons, he hath lost his state, authority, and prosperity, and become himself the prey of death. It hath so disposed of him that no trace of him remaineth. There is no reliance to be placed on life. We know not when the last hour shall come. The only gain is worship and repetition of God's name. Hymns were then recited, and prayers offered for the repose of the souls of all those who had fallen in the battle. End of section 11. Recording by Pardib Aluwalia, Ottawa.